Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by both my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent. And we took a week off last week. We've got some stuff to catch up on. Uh, big happenings in AEW with the new world champion crown. We've got a build to extreme rules coming up in WWE. Uh, behind the scenes stuff to talk about as well. But let's talk about some on-camera stuff first, starting with uh, AEW Grand Slam 2, I guess you want to call it, taking place over Rampage and Dynamite last week. And of course, the big story from the that week, those couple shows, is that John Moxley is once again AEW Interim World Champion. And kind of a surprise, I think, at least to me. I thought for sure they were going to finally uh, put the title on Brian Danielson. I mean, I know we've talked about on the show how Moxley's pretty much been the wrestler of the year so far this year. That's why I thought for sure that given how much he carried AEW with you know um, Punk's injury... And carrying the interim world title, I thought for sure they'd finally let him have his vacation and let him take his break and put the title around Danielson and build around him there. But they went with Moxley, and uh, it was a good match. Uh, they, you know, they didn't have to show MJF every five seconds on the screen. I thought that was a little annoying. But Moxley is now the man in AEW, and it depends now what exactly is going to happen. we got full gear in about, I think, just over a month. So is it MJF with the chip? Because Tony Khan made a point, I believe I saw on Twitter, saying that MJF can cash the chip in any time. So basically like a money in the bank contract. Or do they go with Moxley Hangman Page? Because Hangman Page won that Battle Royal on Rampage. Uh, so they could go that route too. Um, but it leaves the openings there for... You know, one of those two options. I mean, I'm kind of over page winning. It feels like almost every number one contender tournament or battle royal. It just seems like it happens more than it needs to. But I think, I mean, if they, the way Tony Khan specifically said that MJF can cash that in any time makes me think that we're not getting MJF and John Moxley at full gear. And we're probably getting either Moxley and Page or Moxley and somebody else, I think. I think they're going to play up that, you know, money in the bank like stip until MJF finally decides when he wants to do it. So, uh, what are your thoughts? I'll do over to you, Chairman, first on Moxley winning and just where do you think the world title scene in AEW is heading over the next month or so? I feel like John Moxley is Tony Khan's in case of emergency break glass wrestler. Like we joked on the time that Gato would break the glass for Okada if he needed a champion in the, you know, grand scheme of things or back when Vince, you know, had Cena. So clearly Moxley is the, we need a champion. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't think planned. Uh, John Moxley and not taking away from John Moxley. He's been great. But this is also the kind of booking that will tire some fans. Like, he's now, like, a three-time AEW World Champion already. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Brian Danielson fans out there. You know, people are wanted Brian Danielson to win this match. I wanted Brian Danielson to win this match. I think he deserved to win this match. I think, you know, as great as Moxley is, Danielson is a different wrestler. It would have been a different person up top. And I think there could have been some good stories told of Brian as the champion, but you know, Brian's also one of the most selfless wrestlers in the business. So I don't think he wants to be the champion because clearly he could pull a power move and say, Hey, you know what? I want to be the champion. And it would happen because he's Brian Nielsen. But, um, I don't know what they do with him now. I'm guessing he's going to go play in the garden at home. But yeah, let's go back to the Moxley, you know, this vacation, uh, obviously is definitely not going to be happening for a while. Um, far as your other question, Justin, I think, um, MJF definitely not, uh, is going he's, he's going to cash in via money the bank style where you know he's going to send big Cass or william morris or the fuck his name is now down to the ring and 
Sokoli and the ass boys and they're all gonna you know clean the ring up you know and then MJF's gonna be like we're gonna cash in or have my match now or whatever you want to call it so hey man page yeah I said they won the battle royal and he's another one it's like they keep going back to the well on this guy too and it's like you know y'all signed all these WWE guys in the last like year two years and you know there's some new stories to tell but we keep going back to hey man so I think Tony Khan clearly there's a lot of uh, issues with AEW right now like the plans you know, after all the all out, you know, blow up, I think everything's in scrambles right now and they're trying to put the puzzle back together, but the pieces are missing or not fitting. So this is clear, clear, um, react, react, react right now. Yeah. I think Tony's still in a little bit of a, okay, I'm still like recovering from, like you said, everything that happened after all out, we got to get, you know, everything fully set plan wise in place. We can't let everything, you know, we, everything's still not fully settled. I don't think so. I can absolutely see that being the case. And plus now he's got, you know, his Jaguars are actually leading the AFC South. So he's got to pay attention to that over there too. And I think Fulham for the time is still doing good. So he's got way too much stuff on his plate right now for, uh, for him to focus on all these good things going on. Uh, what do you think Cam, as far as the AEW uh, world title situation goes? I mean, yeah, I was, rather surprised too i thought they were going to definitely go with brian danielson i thought that would have opened the doors for some new fresh matchups i mean there's some guys that moxley hasn't faced on the roster but i mean i wasn't as excited and i don't know if that has to do with just the lingering of what would have been if all the crap at all out didn't happen or this you know being moxley's a run where it kind of feels like he wanted that time off his daughter's probably daughter's probably approaching one or so however old she is they probably want to take a family vacation now he's got to put the company back on his back when you know i'm not saying moxley needs to be the guy but he has been the guy multiple times for them they need some more guys to step up um i'm surprised they didn't put the title on mjf already like at this point i mean it won't crush moxley moxley's legacy to see him lose the belt after only holding it for a few weeks you know or a month or what have you if they stretch this out I mean, Moxley needs to beat some good guys or at least have some matches with some guys who've never been there before. Miro, any of these other, you know, guys like that. Hell, even throw Sammy Guevara in there for a world title match. Like, I mean, Moxley probably retains, but at the same time, um, give us some fresh matchups. Boost some guys up that can at least step in the ring with Moxley and have some good matches and get, you know, get some, um, get pushed up the card a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely, I think we we can all agree on it. It's definitely not a shot against John Moxley at all. We love the man as a performer. We love everything he's done in the wrestling business and everything in AEW. You know, realizing he had trouble with the disease and alcoholism and fighting it and going to rehab. Um, you know, he's been great. I think we can all agree he's probably our wrestler of the year at this point, barring, and he probably will be, barring something crazy happening. But it's one of those things where if you hold, if you go back to the same well, it just gets, like Cam just said, it gets tiresome after a while, and you want to see fresh matchups. I mean, it's kind of, it's pretty much to that point now with Roman Reigns as champion, where they somehow seem to be stretching out fresh matchups outside of Brock Lesnar. But it's like, okay, you know, at some point we want to see somebody else with these titles. Um, so we'll see. Uh, like I said, we'll see what happens this coming Wednesday on Dynamite. Uh, we also had two other title changes taking place on AEW Grand Slam Dynamite uh, the last Wednesday. We had the first being Chris Jericho 
beating uh, uh, Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World Championship, which I kind of tweeted halfway through the match. I go, you know, it'd be kind of funny and weird to see uh, Chris Jericho as Ring of Honor World Champion, and sure enough, he wins. Um, I kind of feel like it's just kind of, I, mean, I don't know, like Ring of Honor isn't running regular shows right now. I'm kind of trying to figure out the point of having this Ring of Honor World title here if you're not running regular shows. It's like, you know, the AEW fans that kind of like, you know, pretended they cared about Ring of Honor, and then when the Bucks and Kenny and Cody left, they are like, oh, we don't care about Ring of Honor anymore, just like they did with New Japan. Now they're trying to be like, oh, yeah, Ring of Honor, awesome. We've always cared about Ring of Honor. And it's like, no, you only cared about certain guys in the company, and now it's like, because AEW's book in the Ring of Honor world title, you guys feel like, you know, you have to pay attention and give it like, oh, yeah, I never lost faith. I always followed along with going on Ring of Honor. Like, okay, yeah, you, you watched the Matt Taven Reign of Terror or whatever down there. I'm sure you did. Uh, so it's like... I mean, is Chris Jericho going to work a Ring of Honor pay-per-view? Is there going to be a Ring of Honor pay-per-view coming up? Because I'm pretty sure Fozzie's going on tour soon. So I don't understand the point. I know he's defending the world title against Roosh this coming Wednesday on Dynamite, which is a very interesting matchup. So that was your first one. And the next match, you had the acclaimed uh, win the AEW World Tag Titles uh, from Swerve in Our Glory. And like I said, you know, I've said it a couple times in the last few weeks, you know, I give all the credit in the world for the acclaimed winning the titles. That match wasn't very good. There were some weird spots in it. I still don't think the acclaimed are that great of wrestlers. I think, I think if I, like I've said before, if I want to make a comparison, they're like a new age outlaws where they're not the best in ring workers, but they got over because of their work on the mic and all the credit to them. I'm not going to take them away, anything away from them getting over like that. Uh, but at the same time, and it's like, eh, you know, it's kind of, you know, not for me. I'm just not feeling it. Uh, so that one was definitely, I think, almost everybody would agree was expected when they didn't win the world titles at All Out. I think everybody kind of figured the acclaim was winning here. Uh, but Chris Jericho, I think, was kind of a surprise. Even when they announced it, I'm like, eh, well, maybe, but like, I don't know. Like, what is it? It's just other than adding a title to Chris Jericho's legacy. Uh, so uh, over back to you, Chairman, what are your thoughts on these two title changes? Yeah, the Chris Jericho one was definitely a surprise. That was not on the 2022 bingo card by any means. Like, I was just like, first I heard the match was announced. I'm like, what? Jericho's fighting for the Ring of Honor title against Claudio? I'm like, okay, that's cool. Cool, you know. And then Jericho won. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know how to react. I'm like, so what does this mean? <laughs> so clearly, is Ring of Honor close to a TV deal? Like some people are speculating. So, of course putting the title on Jericho, they're one of their most recognized wrestlers since he's been wrestling forever. I mean, oh, Chris Jericho has the title, so this might bring those casual fans back, you know, you know, the ones that jumped at EW, I guess, too, maybe. I don't know. It's for Claudio. I feel bad for the guy, you know. Finally winning a big title and have it stripped away this quickly, but this is TK and his uh, reacting moment. Um, you know, the acclaim, you know, I enjoy them. I think they're hilarious. Um, of course, unfortunately, I feel like this match wasn't as good as the pay-per-view one. And, of course, the win was like the moment would have been better at the pay-per-view. Like, I just felt like the energy in the crowd, like, would have been really fantastic. Like, I felt like this crowd just wasn't a part of that pay-per-view crowd. Um, not taking away from the crowd. It's just, I don't know. I just felt like all out, the win would have been more, I guess, bigger. You know, and it's like cool that they got the titles. I don't know what they do next. Um, FTR just kind of hanging out, waiting in the wings, I guess, for them to get a shot because they've been like the number one ranked tag team forever. Um, I don't know. Uh, I figured Keith Lee and 
Swerve Strickland should probably, uh, you know, part ways. I think they'd be better off as singles competitors, honestly. I think they're holding each other back in a tag team. I think tag teams are more for, like, guys like the Acclaimed. Like, I don't think those guys could ever, you know, maybe maybe they will be solo guys someday, but I don't think they – I think they're better together than solo. Like, obviously, Billy Gunn needs to be a tag team with somebody because, obviously, we all see Billy Gunn's solo run over the years. The one Billy Gunn was not the one we cared for. So, yeah, I mean, there's just certain guys that need to be a tag team, certain guys that can do solo. So some guys can do both. But uh, I think uh, Keith Lee and Swerve should go back to solo. How dare you even forget about bringing up Rockabilly? I mean, that was such an amazing solo run that, you know, it was so good they had to put him with Jesse James almost within minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, with the with the acclaim winning titles, it gets to the point where now they have to book them after winning it. Like we saw with Thunder Rosa, that they build up the build and then they finally happen, you get the pop, and then it kind of, you know didn't work out. And then with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, when they finally won the tag titles, you were almost always exclusively on Rampage. You almost never saw them on Dynamite. And it kind of seems to be a point. I mean, look at Wardlow right now. Wardlow is your TNT champion, and he's not doing anything. <laughs> Excuse me. So it's one of those things where now Tony Khan, AEW, whatever, has to show that, okay, you finally get, you got the big moment, now book the after. And that seems to have been a struggle for them for the most part since uh, that since AEW's taken over where they win these titles. Uh, what do you think, Cam? Yeah, they've Tony Khan does have a track record of, of booking it up to the point really well and then kind of a letdown. Um, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the acclaimed. Who's their first program with? I thought the the program itself with Swerve and Keith Lee was was cool. Um, there's, you know, some some heated exchanges and, and things like that. But it, I agree, Justin, I don't think the match was very good. Um, it was okay. Um, who who do you bring out this week or next week to, to beat them down? Um, I mean, you could go Penta and, and Pac that, you know, with the death triangle, you can you can do some bring some other guys in to try to go after the acclaim. But I think it's really up to them at that point. I think you got to keep people engaged. You gotta, you know, expand on the scissor me daddy thing, which I, I mean, I'm, I love humor and I love comedy and all that stuff. I still don't think that's funny. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, I don't know. I don't think it's funny. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of up to them to see where they're gonna go with it. Um, I feel like the tag team division was gonna be the strongest point of AEW. Obviously, that's changed with, with Tony Khan signing some really big names for singles competition, but you know there's plenty of tag teams around where they can make it interesting. Uh, as far as the Jericho stuff goes, I feel like it was just so Jericho could be like, I'm a champion of fucking 25 promotions or whatever different promotions throughout the years. Uh, he's, he's held titles in. Uh, I mean, I agree, Justin, are they going to run, you know, like the Sam's town and in, in outside of Vegas where I can go and it's like a 300 person room and, and Jericho is going to be there and he's going to wrestle Jay Lethal and, you know, things like that. And they're going to have the Briscoe brothers wrestle FTR or something. Um, it is kind of a meaningless title. It's like the FTR title. It's like the, or the FTW title, excuse me. It's, I mean, AEW is, I mean, we, we always talk crap about WWE having two titles. AEW has what, six, seven, eight different titles. And they only produce three hours of television a week. Yeah, like, is Chris Jericho going to come to the waterfront bar that Ring of Honor came to the last time they were in existence here uh, in my area? And like you said, wrestle in front of, like, 500 people and, like, uh, and have to dress in, like, uh, the locker room. That's, like, a, 
uh, roller derby locker room. I mean, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I'd love to see it happen, but I don't think it will. Uh, but we'll see what happens. If it's like Sherwin said, maybe if it means a TV deal's near, maybe that's the case. They want to say, hey, look, our champion's Chris Jericho. So uh, we'll see. Um, as far as Rampage goes, we kind of already talked about um, Hangman Page winning the Battle Royal. Uh, you've got, you had Sting and Darby Allen beat House of Black. You had, you know, it was like, a bunch of like almost non-important stuff. Ricky Starks be powerhouse Hobbs. Of course, it was a it was a lights out match. So obviously that means it doesn't count against their one loss record, even though we clearly saw that it happened. Um, so you know there was there was stuff that happened, but nothing that was really too uh, you know important, I guess if you want to say it. But there's obviously some backstage stuff going on in AEW right now with. Everything going on with Alistair Black and Buddy Matthews. There were reports that, you know, Alistair, or sorry, Malachi, Alistair, Malachi Black, jeez. Um, he wanted to take some time off and away. And then there were people that were saying he asked for his release. And then Malachi Black did uh, like an Instagram live, I think, last night. Maybe it was uh, a TikTok. I don't know what it is. But he was talking about how, you know, he didn't ask for his release and he just wanted to take some time off. And, you know, now this got Sean Ross Sapp in trouble because he said he could prove that he has a text from somebody saying that uh, Malachi Black said he wished he was in WWE, which would pretty much out who it was that told uh, SRS that. And I finally, had, I finally had to unfollow him today. Yeah, he's got sources, but good God, he argues more with more people on Twitter than he does report news. And it's like, come on, like, all right, or do wrestling, quote unquote, journalist. But that's besides the point. Um, who knows what's going on with Buddy Matthews? You've got, you know, he was talking about wanting some time off and then. You know, apparently Tony Khan had an edict that came out that said that nobody's being released from their contracts to go anywhere. So if you signed a deal, you're stuck there. But um, Malachi Black said that he did not sign a five-year deal like it was reported uh, a while ago. So who knows what's going on there? Uh, I, I kind of, again, would feel like this might be something where it's kind of all in the middle. Like maybe Malachi Black did ask for his release, but then Tony Khan said no. And then Malachi Black was like, okay, then I need some time off to just like refresh myself and then re-energize myself. And then maybe then like, if it's only a three-year deal, he works out however much time he has left and then goes from there and goes back to the WWE. I'm sure like, uh, he was one of the people that probably Triple H reached out to. There was a list of people that it was, you know, Bo, uh, Swerve Strickland, FTR, um, Bobby Fish. I would assume that maybe Adam Cole I think, might have been on there. I don't remember the whole list. Um, but there's definitely even with, you know, everybody's trying to like patch things up and say, you know, okay, you know, Punk's gone. Uh, you know, the, the locker room cancer is out of there. But I still think there's some guys in AEW like Malachi Black, like Buddy Matthews, who just kind of aren't happy with how they're being used. And it's kind of funny, again, A, to uh, criticize the diehard AEW fans, but I'm going to do it. Uh, it's kind of funny to see how, like, you know, when guys were complaining, about, when the guys weren't being booked the right way in WWE, it all fell to Vince McMahon, and it was all Vince McMahon's fault. I'm not taking away from that. It, lots of time, it obviously was when Vince McMahon was running things. Guys like Malachi Black not being used right, guys like Andrade not being used right. I'm not denying that, but now that you've got the same scenario here in AEW, where guys are kind of upset about not being used right, I'm seeing guy the people on Twitter say complaining and saying, well, it's more on the wrestlers than it is Tony Khan. Like, yeah, no, it's more on Tony Khan for not being able to book out uh, these guys to give them what they want and make them seem like they're important on TV every week rather than these guys for not taking advantage of their opportunities. So I still think there's some bit discontent 
backstage in AEW, and people just don't really want to fully admit it. Uh, I'll go over to you, Cam, first here. Just what are your thoughts on all the backstage stuff still happening there in AEW? Well, first of all, I mean, I know we're a wrestling podcast and whatever, but uh, Sean Ross, Sap, whatever, that fool's a douchebag. Um, second of all, I mean, I feel the exact same way. I feel like... I feel like Tony Khan signed a bunch of elite wide receivers when they're a running team. You know what I mean? It's like you brought in a bunch of talent, but you don't have anywhere to put them. You don't have the time on television. It would be a complete lack of disrespect to put Miro, Malachi Black, Death Triangle, Pac, freaking the list goes on and on, on on dark or elevation or elevator sorry whatever the show is called on youtube i don't watch it that's for developmental talent or whatever you want to call it that's their nxt whatever you want to call it those guys should be on television they're in a problem they got three hours of tv a week they got to get they got to get rampage to the second hour they got to have four hours you need to do not i want to call it a brand split but you need to write guys names down on a whiteboard tony khan and and long term book some stuff, man. Okay, I want to move Miro over here. Eventually, we'll we'll elevate Darby Allen to face Wardlow for the TNT title. We could do a David and Goliath thing. Like you have to have these plans, and you have to use these guys because this stuff's not coming out of nowhere. You know, I mean, you don't really hear. I mean, you know, there's people frustrated in the WWE, or there was during Vince McMahon time the last few years, but you didn't. It wasn't almost to this extent where it feels like half the roster if not more than half the roster that's not buddy buddy with tony khan they they want out they want they want to go do something else they're not being used they're not being elevated and i'm sure you know i'm sure these guys adam cole miro all these guys we keep talking about i'm sure they don't want to they don't it's like not world title or bust you know but let's involve these guys in television i feel like we get a lot of the same stuff and then you bring guys back for a match or two and then no one cares about them. I mean, I don't know. AW needs to get that second hour to rampage and I don't I'm not saying a brand split, but Tony Khan needs to figure out the best way to utilize the money he spent bottom line. Yeah. And it, obviously, you know, I don't know what TNT play. I haven't watched even this past Friday on rampage with the two hours. I think I watched maybe, you know, a half an hour of it, an hour of it. Now, granted, I was recovering from an appendectomy, so I wasn't really feeling myself, but I didn't even go out of my way to feel like the biggest rampage of the year. Even after reading the results, I didn't even really go out of the way to watch any of it because I just, like, didn't care. He's got to make... He's A, got to make rampage feel important. Like you said, you can get it to two hours, and I'm sure that if you gave it a second hour, it does better than whatever rerun movie TNT plays at 11 o'clock on uh, Friday night. I mean, I don't know. It's probably, like, I think they only play like a rock movies like Rampage or Godzilla. Anytime I'm flipping channels through TNT, it's gotta be better than that. I also think it, I mean, but if, again, if you're going to do two hours of Rampage then you definitely need to get it into two separate tapings and be willing to spend the money to get it to two separate tapings. Because as I've said, attending about, about five, four dynamite Rampage tapings, it's like by the time they start taping Rampage, it's like, Oh God, like, all right, let's just get through this rather than, okay, let's, you know, have fun and get into this match. It's kind of like, okay, I'm here. I paid for this. I got a drink to finish. All right, I'm here. But it's like, all right, come on, finish, finish, finish. It's like getting out, starting the tapings at seven and then going all the way till 1130 is kind of insane. 
what are your thoughts, Chairman, on everything going on backstage here in AEW? They got like 180 wrestlers on the roster or personalities, so whatever you want to call it. Like, this is way too many people for two hours of Dynamite, one hour of Rampage that's taped, which I don't watch. The time slot sucks. It's taped. It's like basically WCW Thunder, basically, to me. And I skip that shit. I don't have time for that shit. And I'm too tired for that shit. Get off Friday nights. Get off so damn late. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like, oh, and I'm sorry. You got the YouTube stuff for like an hour or two or three a week, whatever, which nobody watches that for like the diehards. But, yeah, you got way too many people. And, of course, you know, you're going to have your certain people that you're going to use every week on Dynamite. You know, your Chris Jericho's, your John Moxley's, your Britt Baker's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then, you know, you got everybody else you sprinkle in here. And then you got, you know, those people that you see, like, once every, like, four months. Oh, I remember this person. And then then that's that. You don't see me anymore. So it's like, yeah, I don't know if brain split is the thing to do because it's like – I mean, it'd be totally WWE, so they wouldn't do it. But, like, I just think they need to find a way to utilize their roster better. Don't go to hour number three. Don't fucking do that. I don't need Tony Schiavone shouting, hour number three. Like, no, don't do that. But you got, uh, like, you got to make Rampage two hours and find a better time slot for it and make it live. Because this day and age of everything out there, nobody's going to watch a tape show, especially when you're putting, like, your YouTube stars on there. Now they guess those wrestlers, but you know, if you're not putting like, you know, Brian Danielson or Andrade or the young bucks or MJF on those shows, Darby Allen, like and they do sometimes, but not often, but yeah, it's just a mess right there. CM Punk's probably good as gone. The way it sounds, it's probably for the best. Um, I, I don't know. AEW is kind of in a bad, bad spot right now. I hope they kick out, but man, you got a lot of eagles going on there. You know, Malachi's mental health, you know, that's important to be taken care of. Anyone with those kind of issues. Um, Andrade, I don't think he's happy there. I don't think Miro's happy there. It's like, maybe sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And now that Triple H is overtaking Raw and SmackDown, there's a lot of opportunity there. We're definitely seeing it. I, I don't know. I hope Tony Khan figures it out. I hope these wrestlers get their opportunities, but you know, like 180 people on their roster, and it's growing. I mean, they just signed Soraya, so who's going to show up this week on Dynamite that we see and disappear? That's a good transition to. It's, I do will say real quick before we transition to Soraya. We, uh, it's kind of funny that AEW has been doing over a million people this last month, but at the same time, we, you know, I think we all agree. And who knows? Maybe in the vote minority, I don't know. That, we're not denying AEW has good matches, but the storylines and the stories just haven't been there. And but hey, who knows? Maybe we're just a vocal minority and we're just a bunch of big WWE marks. Who knows? Uh, and like you said you bring up Soraya Page showing up on. Um, on Dynamite this past Wednesday. Uh, there were some rumors about that beforehand. SRS, Sean Rossap was talking about it. And, you know, according to some people, Meltzer, that she still hasn't been cleared to wrestle. And apparently now it's come out that AEW doctors will be the ones to determine her if she can wrestle or not. Um, the thing I found most funny is that she comes out and you've got Dr. Britt Baker, you've got Jamie Hayter, you've got Rubble, and you've got uh, Serena Deeb all outside, a four-on-one advantage, and they just kind of are all staring at her, Soraya, like, oh my gosh, like, what should we do? It's like, well, you just took out Tony Storm, you just took out, uh, 
um, Ember Moon. Why am I blanking on her name right now? But Ember Moon, he took her out, and it's like, all right, like, did why don't you go attack her? No, let's just stand there and look shocked that Soraya's here. Like, okay, you're shocked. Now after the initial shock, you got to go, oh, okay, let's go attack her. There's four of us compared to one of her. Um, I don't know, like, maybe it's just me, but I don't even know if she would add that much to the... I mean, it's obviously a big name for the AEW Women's Division. It's probably the biggest outside name they've added so far. I would consider Soraya Page bigger than Tony Storm. I consider her better than, you know... I mean, I, I kind of consider Thunder Rosa in, like, an AEW original, too, but... I, even if she hasn't been in the... I mean, even if she gets clear to wrestle, it's like... How, when was the last time she wrestled? I remember going all the way back to like WrestleMania, what, 30, 31, around there somewhere. Uh, so that's like six, seven years. And it's like, all right, well, I don't know what kind of ring rush she's going to have. I don't really kind of like her personality, given how crappy and how shitty of a person her boyfriend is. And it kind of rubs off on her. Um, I don't know. Like, I think... Name-wise, I'm not going to deny that it's a big name and it's a big get for AEW, but I just don't know if she adds anything if she gets cleared long run in the AEW women's division. Uh, what do you think, Cam? I mean, I, I couldn't make an argument that she's the biggest name on the women's division, you know, hands down. I mean, she's been out of the spotlight for a few years now, but I feel like she, when she was, you know, in her prime in the WWE and, you know, everyone really liked her. And even when she left and she was doing, you know, kind of some stuff on TV. And then uh, she was on that one show with Renee Young and CM Punk for a little while too. Right. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. The, uh, the FS one show, right. You're thinking of. Yeah. They were, they, she was on that for a little while. Yeah, I don't so remember I mean, what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that she is a bigger name than Britt Baker or any of these women. I mean, she was a mainstay in the WWE during the women's evolution, revolution, whatever you want to call it. Um, ring rest might be there. Let's just all pray that somehow, someway, Ronnie Redke doesn't get on AEW television. Or I just hope, for all of our sakes, that John Moxley like smashes his face through a glass window or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I hopefully we don't have to worry too much about that. And unless, like, oh God, like he sings her, or, you know, plays her to the ring, that'd be awful. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chairman, here on Sarai getting added? Yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest women wrestler they have on their roster at this point, active or not. I mean, obviously she was a key part of the WWE Women's Division, you know. She was one of the NXT OGs of Emma, you know, and, you know, uh, the four horsewomen kind of came after Paige. So, you know, she was kind of a big deal. And unfortunately, injuries derailed her career. Um, really don't know what's going to happen with Soraya. She's going to be a manager and maybe elevate some of these other women that desperately need some elevation. Or if she's actually going to be in the ring again, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, the second I heard a uh, fun reverse plan, I'm like, yep, somebody's new in AEW. And I like that band, so don't be hating on Ronnie. <laughs> all right, so that's AEW-related stuff there. Let's move over now to the WWE, and we've got, you know, all this white rabbit stuff going on and all these QR codes and 
uh, you know, who is the White Rabbit? And I think, you know, we kind of all just assume it's Bray Wyatt in some new form. You know, it teased the 923 stuff and nothing happened this Friday on SmackDown. And then apparently they left flyers on people's cars, leaving SmackDown that had coordinates for like where Raw was this past Monday in Edmonton, I think it was. Um, so they're, they're playing this long tease and, you know, I don't mind it. It's apparently part of the plan for, you know, building to like appeasing the hardcore fans by giving them small Easter egg stuff like this, uh, which, you know, I'm kind of cool with, you know, you don't got to go full on for your hardcore fan base, but this is little small things that, you know, you're just kind of throwing in corners of the screen with QR codes. I'm totally cool with that. It's, it's something different and new to do. It's not something you would ever have seen in Vince's WWE. And it's like, okay, this is kind of cool and a cool thing to do. Uh, but we're sitting here waiting still for Bray Wyatt to come back. And I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm, I'm assuming at this point, first off, that it's happening. Like there's been enough hints. And if it's not him and it's somebody else, it'd be a complete, you know, swerve on us, bro. And I, you know, there has been talk that Triple H is talking to people that aren't even on like the radar that you've been hearing. So who knows there, but I think, just the aura of Bray Wyatt himself adds more to the on-screen WWE now. I know The Fiend was a big thing, but I I think it'd be booked better if it came back this time, but I kind of would prefer it to not be The Fiend and just maybe kind of have it be like more like the original Bray Wyatt if it was me. You know, The Fiend got overbearing at times at points. Uh, you know, especially, I mean, you all remember what happened in the Seth Rollins Hell in a Cell match, but I mean, I'm fine with Bray Wyatt coming back. I think he's, you know, he's, he's clearly going to try to get in shape if you see some of his workout stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does, where I'm assuming he's going to have a little bit more creative freedom than he did with Vince. Uh, what do you think, Chairman? Oh, it's going to be great to see uh, him in the Triple H era. Like, the possibilities are endless. Like, is he going to have a whole new faction? Uh, is he going to be solo? Is he going to bring back the Firefly Funhouse? Like, is he going to have a new persona along with the Fiend and then along with the original Bray Wyatt? Like, is he going to be like win him now? I mean, there's like so many crazy possibilities, even if it's him. I mean, it might be completely somebody else. It might be Adam Rose back. I mean, they all hit a bunny at one time, a white rabbit. Sorry. So, I don't know. I mean, the the, the QR codes and all that stuff, it's, it's got people talking. It's generating buzz. And that's all you can ask for is something like that. It's a creative, unique idea. Um, so that's cool as well. And obviously, you know, Bray Wyatt, you know, Wyndham, whatever you want to call him at this point, you know, he's a very, very intelligent man, you know, very creative. Um, you know, it's a shame that Vince obviously couldn't see the light, but, you know, obviously Triple H sees the light for a lot of wrestlers. And it's someone like Bray Wyatt, you know, those two together, Triple H and Bray Wyatt, you know, can come up with some great stories and entertainment. Like, we're in for a treat. I mean, everyone's going to win here. Yeah, what do you think, Cam? I mean, I feel like Triple H just, you know, assuming it is Bray Wyatt coming back, I mean, I think we'll get the old school Bray Wyatt, not the fiend. I mean, I feel like Triple H must have spoke with Bray and said, you know, it was going pretty good, and then it just got a little goofy at the end, and I'm assuming Vince wouldn't listen to Bray's ideas and wanted full control and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, I mean, it adds someone at the top of the roster to, to – I can't talk – someone to the top of the card right away. I mean, there's 
matchups that you could do that are fresh. I mean, then you're going to have Cody coming back at some point and Cody break and cross pass and have a really mid match, but everyone will rave about it and I'll rave about it, but it'll be like a five at best, you know, but, um, I mean, I'm excited. I think the stuff is great. I mean, all signs point to it. I think it's one of those tongue in cheek things where like, we're smart enough to know it's Bray and Triple H and co are smart enough to know that we know it's Bray, but he's like, all right, we're just going to tease this for a while until the timing is right. Um, what's going to be the timing? You know, I don't really know. I mean, I'm trying to, I mean, where could he show up on SmackDown or raw and make an, an instant impact? I mean, you could put him with a lot of different guys, but I think that everything they're doing is cool. It's interactive. Like we were talking about before we recorded the podcast, one of the QR codes took you to a little mini Mario type game. And I was playing on that and, you know, it's got people talking and it's got people deciphering old Bray Wyatt promos. And it's got people looking up freaking hotels and somewhere in Kentucky or something, whatever the new QR codes were saying. So it's cool. It's methodical. We want Bray to come back. We want Bray to cut promos. We want to use our lights on our phone and make it fun and interesting. And if, Maybe he just comes back by himself and then maybe brings back um, Eric Rowan at some point or something. I don't know, maybe add, maybe add Braun Strowman, who knows. But I think that the, the sky's the limit, and that gives star power when the WWE needs the star power. And, you know, I think it's best for everybody. Maybe Bray can get negative one to come over from AEW and be his Luke Harper the, in this version of it. Big free agent signing from AEW to WWE right there. Um, so, yeah, and then we've also got the buildup to Extreme Rules, which honestly, you know, hey, they're actually doing Extreme Rules matches, and a lot of them kind of make sense for the feuds that we're doing. I mean, last year there was literally one Extreme Rules match on the whole show, and it was an Extreme Rules match, I believe, with Roman Reigns, and I am blanking on who he fought, but let me see real quick. Oh, that wasn't he fought off the Demon Finn Balor. Um, oh, yeah, that was that stupid one, wasn't it, where like the rope broke or something when Finn was trying to do uh, the coup de gras, I think. Um, something like that happened. I remember, I remember something really stupid happening in the end of that match that caused the Demon to lose, and I just was like, really? Um... But, I mean, the build so far, they've got five matches. They've got uh, Edge and Finn Balor in an I Quit match, which, you know, given, you know, the history between Edge and Judgment Day, okay, kind of makes sense. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Karrion Cross in a strap match. I'm fine with that. You know, these two guys have been going back and forth now for a couple months. Nobody can run from anybody. Okay. Uh, Riddle and Rollins in a fight pit match. Again, makes sense given what's been going on. It's with those two guys. They want to kill each other. You know, the whole fight pit that they, Riddle had in NXT. Okay. Um, you know, Bianca Belair, Bailey in a ladder match. It's, you know, whatever. It's fine. Um, you know, ba- Bailey just kind of said she had a vision of winning the title in a ladder match. So this is what she wanted to do. I believe it is the first one-on-one women's match involving a ladder that, you know, since WWE history, the only women's matches I can think of involving ladders were all Money in the Bank matches. And then, you know, Liv Morgan, Ronda Rousey, Extreme Rules match. Liv wants to show a more feisty, extreme side, whatever. I thought that dive that she hit off the uh, off the top on Lacey Evans this past Friday on SmackDown looked really good from a visual standpoint. I credit the camera guy for getting in there right in the visual and getting, like, the, the shot from the ground where you see Liv flying up in the air, landing right on Lacey Evans. I thought it was a really good camera shot. To, kudos to whoever came up with that, but... These are matches that even with Roman Reigns not on the card, at least for me, I look at him and go, okay, 
these all kind of look like they could be good, fun matches. So I'm 100% all involved in this card. I'm sure there's going to be a couple other matches added here and there, but I think this looks like a pretty solid wrestling card going into, what is it, October, Saturday, October 8th. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, what do you think, Chairman? Yeah, this is actually one of the more better, you know, extreme rules, you know, cards. And there's a lot of unique stipulations that we really don't see. And that's what extreme rules should be. You know, fight pits, strat matches, you know, things, you know, I quit matches, you know, things you don't see every day on Raw or SmackDown. So I'm all for it. You know, I'm hoping they bring Ken Shamrock back to be the referee for Riddle and Rollins. Like, you know, small things like that. But yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about, Justin. You mentioned that Bianca Belair and Bailey is the first um, ladder match for a women's championship. Like, it's kind of all things like you just take it for granted because, you know, we've seen ladder matches over the years and everyone's, you know, doing the money in the banks. But it's like, yeah, never actually remember seeing a women's championship match in a ladder match. That is freaking cool for them getting that moment. Um, but yeah, this, this card looks solid. We only have five matches so far. I'm sure they'll probably add a couple more. And, you know, without Roman Reigns and his titles, because they're saving for that for the terrible card, you know, down the road, you know, against Logan Paul. But, you know, this, this, this is a good card so far. I'm excited for it. I was curious. So I went back. So the 2020 Extreme Rules had, like, I guess if you want to call them that, three Extreme Rules matches. Um, they had that 2020 was the eye for the eye match. And I'm just funny reading it on Wikipedia. Seth Rollins defeats Rey Mysterio by eye extraction. Um Extreme Rules match was Drew McIntyre against Dolph Ziggler, but the Extreme Rules portion, portion bleh, only applied to Dolph. And maybe this is how they'll bring Bray back and make it in 2022 in Philadelphia somewhere. A Wyatt Swamp fight between Braun and Bray Wyatt. That's how you can do. That's how you bring Bray back. Have him have another Swamp fight uh, on the next Extreme Rules pay per view. Uh, a perfect way to bring him back. Uh, there were more singles matches in. Um, 2019, blah, blah, blah. There was a no-holds-barred tag match with Undertaker and Reigns against Shane and Drew McIntyre. Uh, there was a last-man-standing match between Strowman and Lashley. Uh, I think Seth and Becky versus Baron Corbin and Lacey was also an Extreme Rules match. But, uh, yeah, so I like that they all have, like I said, all have Extreme Rules matches, and they all have actual gimmicks that kind of apply. Uh, what do you think, Cam? Yeah, I mean, well, common sense indicates that if you want people to watch your show the next week and the week after that, you should uh, promote the matches that are happening. And the WWE's pretty much stopped doing that. Well, one, because they were booking fucking 10 minutes before the show started. And two, they I don't know what was going on for a long time. It just didn't seem like they had any direction. So Triple H has been booking segments a week, two weeks ahead of time. We know what's coming out. You know, we get excited. Just like the pay-per-view, they've done a pretty good job. Usually the last five years most b pay-per-views outside of a really good actual actual match or two the b pay-per-views are skippable or you know not really watchable and it's just throwing together rematches and yeah there are there's rematches on this card but it feels like end of feud rematches different kinds of style of matches you know actually doing an extreme rules match with Liv morgan and ronda rousey we'll see what comes of that so usually this would just have them do i don't know whatever they have to I don't know, just an extreme rules match, but they just don't get counted out or no disqual no count out match. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that they're doing a good job, and I feel like once we get past this pay per view, 
um, we'll see some fresh feuds and we'll see some other things starting to come to light. Yeah, and like you said, we've got, you know, no Roman Reigns on this show, and but that storyline going on with Reigns and the bloodline and uh, Sami Zayn, is everything going on right there. It's one thing where it's like, I'm glad they're keeping a storyline like this going on, but even though Roman's not going to be uh, on this upcoming, at least, Extreme Rules, you know he's going to be on Crown Jewel. Uh, but Sami Zayn made an honorary uh, oose this past Friday on SmackDown. What I thought was a really good segment, uh, you know, everything was done with uh, all the bloodline. And then Sami Zayn tries to say something and Roman rips his shirt off. And it seems like they're just about ready to kick Sami out. And then uh, Roman throws him a shirt and says, put on this one. And it says, honorary oose. And I was like, oh, that is great. And Sammy's, Sammy's been great in this whole angle. Uh, you know, obviously it's wrestling storyline. And especially with somebody like Triple H and you know, competent people booking that. It's going to pay off to something at some point where you know Roman Reigns is going to kick Sami Zayn out of the group. My theory still is that it's going to be... Uh, there's going to be a War Games match, obviously, we know at Survivor Series, and it's going to be the Bloodline against KO, and probably, I would say, maybe, um, already, I mean, Brick Moss and Ricochet are fighting Sami Zayn and Solo Sequoia this weekend, so, or this Friday on SmackDown, so maybe those two guys, uh, maybe the Street Profits, too, who knows, maybe Johnny Gargano gets thrown in there, but... Uh, I think Sami Zayn's the one that ends up losing in that Extreme Rules match, and that's when he either finally gets kicked out or it starts to slowly get kicked out. And um, you know, you could do, you know, I think obviously you you would have to do a Sami Roman match at some point. Um, you know, I've seen people suggest, I think we even talked about it before the show, like could you do Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, or is that still presumably a Roman Reigns Rock match or a Roman Reigns Cody match? Uh, who knows? Uh, obviously the pop would be huge if it was Sammy and Roman and Sammy's the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. Um, I'm, it's such a good storyline. I'm so great. Sammy Zayn is playing it to perfection and doing such a great job at it that it's like, you can't wait to, you know, if you've been a long-term wrestling fan, like the three of us, you know, it's something's going to happen at some point where it all breaks. I still think that it's going to be, it's not going to be Sammy Roman, but it's going to be something like Sammy and KO dethroning the Usos. Maybe at Russell, that could main event night one of WrestleMania. There you go right there. Um, but it's something that I think has been building on now for months and months and months on end. And I think the payoff is finally, I'm looking forward to seeing how and when they do the payoff and what ends up happening with it. And it's credit to everybody involved, the Usos. Uh, now you got Solo Sequoia, who's like Sami Zayn, you know, Roman like Sami. I forget whether it's, I always forget whether it's Jay or Jimmy that hates Sami and the other one likes some, but. It's great storytelling, and they can keep the story going every week without Roman Reigns being there. And I just got to give them a complete. And you know, I got to go all the way back. You know, even with Vince when still in charge, they were still doing a good job with this storyline. And of course, it helps that it's all Sami Zayn, I think, for the most part. But kudos to them for being able to build this up. And almost it's probably going to be a full year, and when we get the payoff, uh, what do you think, Chairman? I, I've been saying time and time again, like. Roman Reigns and the Usos, like, it's run its course. Like, I've been getting sick of seeing them. I'm sick of them holding the titles. I still am. But the inclusion of Solo Zakoa, you know, has been great. I think he's been fantastic in his role as, like, the muscle of the group now. And, of course, Sammy's just beloved. Like, he is freaking hilarious. Like, he is, like, the one thing you look forward to when you turn on SmackDown or Raw. And, you know, Sammy Zayn's going to be there. Like, the dude is just straight up ridiculous with his dances. He's got the freaking handshakes down. Like, 
he just is fantastic. Like he is probably going to be like winning some awards, you know, at the end of the year for how great he's been, you know, just got a big win over AJ Styles this past raw. I mean, sky's the limit for Sammy, you know, he's a great wrestler, you know, he's freaking a great entertainer. You know, we've seen him through the years and I'm so happy that he's finally getting a big featured, you know, storyline. Um, yeah, and we speculated that, you know, him and KO might team up and take down the Usos. I mean, sure, that's a possibility. But, you know, if there's a way for Sami Zayn to, like, get the Money in the Bank briefcase from Theory, which I'll die on the sale that Sami Zayn should have won the Money in the Bank briefcase and protected Roman Reigns' title reign, but whatever. That was a, that was a Vince era thing. But, uh, like, just imagine, like, Sami Zayn being the one to beat Roman Reigns and his giant title reign. Like, the freaking place will erupt. Everybody will be super happy for Sammy, except for like the Roman diehards. But you know, I, I is it, maybe he could have the match between those two at like Royal Rumble. I mean, if it came down to it, honestly, um, like as you said, Justin, maybe something happens in Survivor Series and Sammy kind of costs them a win, and then you know he can get to that point. Um, there's a lot of ways it can go, but we're along for the ride right now. We're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I think we all agree. We talked about it on the show before that Sammy winning the briefcase, you know, being like, Roman, I am never cashing in on you. This your title reign is safe. I'll be the first person to never cash in this briefcase. And then when the snap finally happens, that's when you do the cash in. It would have probably I would have argued that assuming you the storyline would have gone as it's gone going right now with Sammy Zayn in the bloodline probably would have gotten all the loudest money in the bank cash and pop ever. Probably. Uh, what do you think uh, going on with the storyline cam? Yeah, I think this past <clears throat> past week when they gave him when they gave Sammy the shirt, that's probably a top three segment of the last five years or so. I mean, I think off the top of my head, I mean, just the reaction from Roman and Sammy, it's been fantastic. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, we could see them turning on him and Sammy getting a at least getting a world title match at the, at the Royal Rumble. I don't think it would at, at WrestleMania. I mean, I love Sammy Zayn to death, but. Uh, it's still WrestleMania, but I could see him getting a, maybe getting a world title shot at the Rumble and a post-match beatdown, and maybe The Rock makes the save on Sammy, and you get you get Sammy uh, being the little ooze for The Rock, and you can see The Rock make in front of Sammy the whole time, and you could do like that if you want to if you want to get to there that way. But I think it's been great. It's it's refreshed the bloodline. It's given them like a new purpose and a whole new different uh, direction. They don't really have to focus on Roman wrestling every week because they can just do this stuff and they can have the Usos and and um, everyone else do like the bidding. Um, but I mean, I agree. At some point, they'll probably Sammy's gonna get kicked out. And assuming Kevin Owens and, and Johnny Gargano just aren't a tag team, or maybe they put them as like little trios and do Sammy Gargano and uh, Kevin Owens, and then you could do you know like an inter they could be like their own little new day where they can swap out who's the partner and they can defeat the Usos for uh, the unified titles. The Rock can come make the save for Sami Zayn, and unlike the, when The Rock made the save for the save for Roman Reigns at the Wrestle Royal Rumble in what was that 2015, he'll actually get cheered this time instead of getting booed and quizzically looking at the crowd like, "Why did I come back?" And now everybody's booing me for helping Roman out. Um, 
yeah, and then Sammy can get a new house or a new car bought for him by The Rock because, you know, that's what he does for his good friends. And then there you go. Boom. Sammy Zayn's a made millionaire. Um, little other tidbits as we finish up here WWE-wise. Uh, we've got Candice LeRae uh, now back with WWE. She debuted on Raw this past Monday. So another added piece there to the women's division over on Raw. Uh, SmackDown still needs something at some point. I mean, I know they've got Shotzi over there back as a babyface with uh, Raquel uh, Raquel Rodriguez. So, um, you know, they still need something at some point to get that going. And of course, we still have Charlotte Flair, who is still uh, quizzically MIA. I'm surprised she's not back yet. I thought for sure she would have been back by now. Uh, so you have that going on over there. You have uh, Rhea Ripley continuing to be Dominic Mysterio's uh Dom, I guess, if you want to say it, but she's definitely uh, got his ear. And, you know, you know Rhea's been really good in this role. I got to give her credit. I give her credit. I shouldn't say I got to give her credit. She's very good. Uh, and even Dominic, for the couple times I've seen him so far, you know, okay, you know, he hasn't been too bad. You know, give credit to him when credit where's, where credit's due. Um, so positive there, you know, it's making the Judgment Day look a little bit better than they were for a while, where we were just kind of like, why do they keep losing and everything? And then, of course, you know, as you said, Johnny Gargano and KO as a tag team together, getting a good response this past Monday on Raw. Good crowd this past Monday uh, in Edmonton. So a lot of positive there. Uh, you guys uh, go over to you, Chairman, first. Anything else WWE-wise you want to mention before we sign off? Riddle's a bitch because he cost Seth Rollins the U.S. title. I'm still salty about that. But, um, yeah, Judgment Day has been, you know, very, very entertaining. They've kind of, like, taken over Raw as far as, like, the dominant faction, whereas Bloodline's kind of like the one on SmackDown. It's just, like, you know, they don't have any titles to really show for. And I'm still wondering when the hell Rhea Ripley's going to get back in the freaking ring, man. I was like, is she actually clear to wrestle or is she not clear to wrestle or is she just too busy being – the Dama Matrix of uh, Dom right now. Like, I, I, because I know she's got a new theme. Uh, the guy from Motionless and White, you know, helps her with it. So I was like, I want to hear that theme some more. But you got to stream it. But, um, yeah, I mean, Edge coming back. Like, I don't get the whole thing of Edge. Like, oh, he's going to be out forever. He's, he's out and he's back. And then now he's fighting Finn Balor and that quit match. Like, okay, whatever, guys. But, um, yeah, overall, you know, it's been good solid stuff going on in WWE right now. We just need some more, uh, Go through Sheamus freaking matches. Yes, we will get that in October 7th. So I think that's next week. Uh, the rematch on the premiere of SmackDown, season premiere of SmackDown, which also could be a place where Bray, Bray Wyatt debuts if they're considering it the season premiere. Uh, what do you think, Kim? Anything else here you want to throw out there before you sign off? We sign off. Um, I mean, I, I really like Judgment Day. I just I think they need to get some wins to, to be legitimate. You got Priest, you got Finn, you got guys who are legitimate in that stable. And at some point, if we want to take them as serious threats, they got to stop basically being mid-card hill jobbers. Yeah, I had uh, Heather, who I do the uh, uh, Rotten Wrestling podcast with, also on PW Mania, suggests that maybe, hey, maybe Bray Wyatt comes back and he's the leader of Judgment Day, becomes the new leader there. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's you know a lot to talk about, a lot of things going on in the world of pro wrestling, and we are here to bring it to you guys every single week. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off, and we will talk to you guys next week.